This is the Austin Life Church podcast. For more information, please visit us at austinlifechurch.com. My name's Corey. I, I am known, like, I'll just go off on a tangent. So it is what it is. It's fine. It's good. Um, we've never met. Pleasure to meet you. Welcome to Austin Life Church. Uh, we are in, like, I don't know, week five-ish, give or take, of being in this building. Um, last week was our one-year anniversary of, like, starting, uh, fully launching the church. So, yeah, praise God. We're still, we're still alive and kicking. Um, the, the odds are never in your favor as a church plant. As a startup in general, um, it's, just, it's just not great. Vince, love Vince, man. He sent me this podcast like a year ago um, from, from, from the podcast. It's called Startup, and it just kind of follows uh, the story of different startups. And so they followed the story of this church plant because in many ways a, a new church is a lot like a business startup. And so Vince sends me this podcast, and I'm listening to it. And in minute 20, like I remember this, this minute in the podcast, um, he, he, says, uh, he says, man, starting a church is, is a lot like starting a business um, and that it's really difficult to start a business, but starting a church is, is even more difficult because you're not, you're not offering a new product, right? So you're not like wowing people with this new brand new product. You're offering what's always been offered and that many people have sampled and walked away from. And now you're like, hey, come on back. And I was like, Vince, thank you for sending me this podcast. It's so encouraging. Um, but alas, there he is. Thank you, Vince, for that podcast. I appreciate it. Um, he had no clue what was going on. Um, but alas, uh, we, we're a year in and still moving in the right direction. Praise be to God. Uh, I've had multiple people tell me, like, man, I don't know. It's tough. I don't know if you're going to make it. Um, and, and that's not up to us to decide, really. That's up to the Lord. He builds the church. Uh, and so we're just going to keep moving forward and trust that God's going to, to do what he wants to do um, with us in a church for as long as he would have us uh, be here. So, uh, so glad that you're here and you're a part of this with us today. Uh, last week, we started a series called We Are ALC. Um, ALC uh, stands for Austin Life Church. Um, I'm not mispronouncing ACL, which is a different thing. Um, but last week, we just started this series called We Are ALC. You may have not known that we started a series last week. If you didn't, surprise, we're in week two. Um, way to go. And so we just, we just feel like it's important to always come back to why are we here? What's our purpose, right? It's so easy just to slowly, slowly, slowly drift. And then you kind of look, look up a year or so later and you're like, how did we get over here, right? Like you've no doubt found that in life where you're like, I don't really know what just happened, but one step turned to two, turned to five, turned to where did I end up, right? And so it's always important, I think, just to come back and say, what are we doing here? Why are we here as a church? And so for us, we have said from the get-go that our purpose is to lead people to life in Jesus. That is the end goal. That is everything we want. Everything points towards that end that we would lead people to life in Jesus. So last week we quoted Thomas Aquinas, and he said, um, there is within every soul a thirst for happiness and meaning. Um, 100% of us in this room right now and every person you know on this planet has that drive inside of them. Like they want to know happiness. They want to know meaning. Um, one way he said it is everybody wants to make the most out of life. Like show of hands, you'd like to get down the road a month, a year, 10 years and look back and say, man, I totally wasted that. Like I totally missed it all. Everything, just totally, no, nobody does. We all kind of want to be like, yeah, I made the most out of life. I made the most out of this situation. It's how we are wired as people and yet so often we're trying to grab hold of things, we're trying to satisfy that thirst 
with something that will never ultimately satisfy. It's like trying to hold tightly to sand. You grab hold of it and it just falls out between your fingers, right? And so we try to grab hold of, of so many things, whether it's success or security or relationships or possessions or whatever it is. We're like, this is going to finally satisfy. If I just get to here, if this circumstance changes, if, if I have this relationship or, or this whatever, like, and none of it's ultimately going to satisfy. God said in Jeremiah chapter 2, kind of describing the same thing, he said, my people have committed two evils. They have forsaken me, the spring of living water, and have dug their own cisterns, broken cisterns that cannot hold water. They've walked away from satisfying water, and they're trying to drink out of these, these pits, these, these kind of clay pits that they dug in the ground to catch rainwater. And, and he's like, why? So I, I, I said this last week, right? If you're, if you're thirsty, and you're like, I want to drink, and both of these options are on the table. So I've got some, some rainwater in here, um, that, that filled up over the week some, and then you've got this bottle of, of water. Both options are on the table, and you're thirsty. Which one are you taking? Right, like, honest, don't, don't, be, don't be like, oh, I'm going to drink the rain. No, no, come on. Which one are you taking? Every single one of us, if both options are equally on the table, I mean, there's some, like, dirt in here. There's some, there's some residue from, we're all taking the water. And yet God says, hey, 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 I'm the source of living water, and yet you're trying to drink out of the rain? Like, really? This is, this is the message that God is saying, is that he's offered us true, satisfying, living water. And we're like, no, let me just, let me have a drink from here. Let me see if that's going to do it. And then it doesn't, and we're like, oh, let me try this. Let me see if that, and it, that, that's the problem. And yet the offer is made that we can have life real satisfying life, but it is only found in Jesus. That everything we're looking for, all of our hopes and dreams and desires is ultimately satisfied in Jesus. Not that all these you know, relationships or success, not that those are bad things, but they can't be ultimate. That they're not meant to carry the weight of our hearts and our souls. Only Jesus can do that. And so that's why we as a church, we believe that everybody's looking for this satisfying water and that they're looking in the wrong places and we just want to come in and say, hey, it's here. Like you, you can be satisfied. It's in Jesus. Let me tell you about Jesus. Let me tell you why it's not this. Let me, let's walk together to see that Jesus is what will satisfy you. And so that is why we are here as a church. That's our purpose. And so now for the next couple of weeks, we're just going to talk about how. How do we do that? All right, it's one thing to have a goal. It's another thing to have a, a plan to get to that goal, right? It's one thing to say, like, man, I really would like my house to be cleaned. It's another thing to, like, get a broom and sweep and know how to actually clean the house, right? If all I'm saying is I really want my house to be clean, but then I don't actually do something, is the house going to be clean? No, Right, And so we are like, okay, we want to lead people to life in Jesus. We want to experientially know that he is alive and present and not just have this like fairy tale cognitive thought about Jesus. We want to know him. Now what do we do? How are we going to do that um, as a church? And more so, how are we as individuals within the church going to do that? And, and I say that very intentionally because I, I think a lot of times we, 
we think that the, the, the church, the, the institution, is supposed to do all of the work of ministry, and really the Bible's like, no, 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 no. Christians do the work of ministry. Like, like we do the work of ministry, not, not just the church itself. And so how are, if this is going to be your church, how are, how are you going to find life in Jesus? How are you going to lead others to life in Jesus? That's the call of being a part of his church. And so that's what we want to talk about. What are we going to do? How are we going to do that? And so I, I, w- there's four things, four key words that we believe as a church and as people of this church is important for us to, to know and to know how to lead people and how to lead ourselves, honestly, to life in Jesus. And it's these four words, abide, invite, share, and build. So the first thing is we want to abide in relationship with Jesus. We want to abide in relationship with Jesus. The next thing to lead people to life in Jesus is we want to invite all people into our lives. So we want to abide in Jesus, then we want to invite people into our lives. The third thing is we want to share the gospel with people that God has entrusted to us. And then fourth, we want to build people up into maturity in Christ. So we want to abide ourselves in Jesus, then we want to invite people into our lives, we want to share the gospel, and then we want to build one another up to love and follow Jesus in obedience. That that is really how we want to structure the church. And so if you're trying to figure this out, like, hey, is this church for me? Or this is your church home? And you're like, what am I doing? That, everything comes down to those four words, abiding, inviting, sharing, and building. Like, that, that's how we think that we can lead people to life in Jesus. But it all starts with abiding. That, that, is, the first, that is the first word. And that's what we're going to talk about today in John chapter 15, um, is abiding in relationship with Jesus. And so uh, let's pray together again and let's ask God to speak to us through his word um, that we would hear his voice. God, there are a lot of messages, there are a lot of voices coming at us all the time. Right now, I, I know that there's, there's voices, our own voice, our other voices of friends and family and, and media. It's just, it floods us all the time. And we just need to hear from you. Holy Spirit, would you block out every other distraction and just let us hear from you today? And would you change us by your presence? It's in Jesus that we pray. Amen. Have you, um, have you ever come face to face with just an impossibility in life? Like something where you, you know what you want to do and then you, reality kind of smacks you in the face and you're like, ah, it's not going to happen. Um, so like, for instance, a goal of mine has always been to be able to dunk a 10-foot basketball goal. Um, and, and then reality hits in and is like, hey, man, you need that to be about eight feet. Um, and then we can talk. But I've always just had, like cognitively, I understand the concept, and I see people do it with such ease, and I'm like, I should be able to do that. Um, and then I realize that they are professional athletes, and they are about a foot taller than me, um, and that helps. Um, but I have, like, I, I see it, and I understand it, and cognitively I get it, but then there's just this breakdown where reality hits in, and I'm like, oh, that's, not, that's not going to happen. Um, so I, I think that we, we know that in this world, that there's, there's things that are just impossibilities, like it's not going to happen. Um, and, and here's what I want to guarantee. I want to guarantee an impossibility when it comes to leading people to life in Jesus. 100% guarantee this, because Jesus guaranteed this, is that we will never 
Never, 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 never lead people to life in Jesus if we are first not abiding ourselves in Jesus. It is a guaranteed impossibility that we will never accomplish this goal. If we want to lead people to Jesus, we want to know Jesus ourselves if we are not abiding in a relationship with Jesus. So John 15, this is what Jesus tells us. He says, abide in me and I in you. As the branch cannot, it is not possible, as the branch cannot bear fruit by itself unless it abides in the vine, neither can you unless you abide in me. I am the vine, you are the branches. Whoever abides in me and I in him, he it is that bears much fruit. For apart from me, you can do, what's the word? Powerful, that was good, powerful. That was strong, that was good. Apart from me, you can do nothing. These are the words of Jesus. This isn't my guarantee. This isn't someone else's promise. These are the words of Jesus, and he is telling us, he is promising us and guaranteeing that the only way we will produce fruit is if we abide in Jesus. For apart from him, we can do nothing. So now we have to know that the word, Jesus obviously isn't saying like physically, literally, you can do absolutely nothing because we all can do something. He's just saying that we cannot produce with our lives, spiritual fruit, spiritual results, eternally significant things in the kingdom of God. We cannot do that apart from being connected to Jesus. It is impossible for us to do this. So I'm going to go on a limb and assume everybody wants to know, like just experientially know Christ. And everybody wants to to live a life that makes Jesus great. And everybody wants to lead people to life in Jesus. Let's just assume that's the case. Jesus is saying that will never happen unless you abide in him. It is a guaranteed impossibility for us to produce spiritual fruit apart from him. It's not going to happen. So what does the word abide mean? Right, if that's the, that's the main command, the main verb is abide in Jesus, what does that mean? Because we don't, we don't use that word a lot. I mean, when was the last time in conversation you used the word abide? Like, hey, why don't you, why don't you come abide with me? Like, let's go, let's go abide, at, let's go abide over there. Let's go, let's go abide by the river. Like, no, we don't ever use the word in common vernacular. And so it, it's like, what does that even, what does it even mean to abide in Jesus? It's, a, it's a really important because apart from that, we can do nothing. So it's really important for us to know what it's even talking about here. So the word, the Greek word abide is the Greek word minnow. And it means to remain in, be connected to, or settle in and make your home. It's to remain in, be connected. It's to like just set up shop and like make home somewhere. It has this meaning of being so closely connected to someone or something that what you're connected to rubs off on you, right? That it, it, it kind of starts to become who you are. There's this transformation that happens because you're now no longer separated, but you're abiding, you're connected, you're remaining so closely to something that it rubs off on you. So it's the difference of, you know, if, if my daughter has a friend come over and I'm like, oh, they're just going to hang out. But then they roll up and it's like, you have suitcases, right? Like you've got clothes for a while. That's a difference from I'm just coming to like hang out to I'm going to stay for a bit. Like I'm going to have dinner with you. I'm going to abide in your home. You know, and then they're putting their clothes in the drawers or something. And you're like, okay, we're doing this, right? So 
they're making their home with us. Now, if you've ever lived, you know, let's just say you've lived somewhere outside of the home you grew up in, or even the home you grew up in, right? Like there's, you, you kind of start to take on the culture of that home, right? If it's a really casually laid back home, like everybody just does whatever, then most likely that's how you're going to take on your personality, right? If it's very uptight, like you take your shoes off when you come in the door, you don't walk in, like I'm guessing it's gonna take maybe one time when everybody else is taking their shoes off and you're like, I should take my shoes off too because you're abiding in that home and the culture starts to, to rub off on you. Think about your friends. If you listed off to me your five closest friends, the people that you spend the most time with, you talk the most with, that, that you're connected to the most, and I went and met all five of your friends, I bet I could pretty accurately describe you without actually knowing you. Because the people that we spend the most time with, it, it, that we abide with, that we're connected to, it, it just kind of rubs off, right? It, it just, the, the words that we start to say, you know, the, the food preferences that we have, what we like to do for fun, when we abide closely with someone, it, it, it starts to rub off on us. It starts to, to change who we are, and also us, them, right? But that's what it means to abide. It means to be so close, so connected to, so um, inseparable that there's a tangible change that starts to rub off on you. And so Jesus is saying in John 15 that we have to abide in him. We've got to be connected to him. We've got to be so closely around him. We've got to be near him. We've got to sit under his presence. We've got to be so close to Jesus that, that he starts to rub off on us. Jesus is like, hey, don't, don't wander away from me. Don't, don't leave my way. Stay close to me so that, so that I'll start to rub off on you, so that I'll start to transfer who I am to you. This is what it means to abide, to be closely connected to. And Jesus is saying that we have to abide in him if we are going to produce spiritual fruit. So, so how does that work? How does us abiding in Jesus produce spiritual fruit, produce the things that, that matter according to Jesus. He uses the, the image of, of a branch and a vine. And, and he says, like, apart from the branch being connected to the vine, like, it's, it can't survive. So I'm, I'm no horticulturist. Any, anybody, a hort, anybody, like, real green thumb? I, no? Awesome. Cool. So uh, we cannot keep a plant alive for the life of us in our house. Like, we'll go buy something, and we're like, we're going to do it this time. We're going we're gonna to grow a garden. And then apparently you have to water it. I don't know. It's weird. And so like we are not at all that. But here's what I know is if I come and I cut this branch off, is it, is it going to produce the, the flowers? No. All right, cool, cool. We're, this is going to happen one day. We're going to interact with each other. It's going to be amazing. We're going to love it. So if we cut that, right, it's, it's not going to go well. And, and the reason I know that is because I did it. Um, and, and so... So I, cut, so I cut this off, and, and you can see quite the difference, right? Like you can see just the color change, the depth of it. Like it just, it just kind of breaks apart real easy. The, the fruit, the flowers are drying up and, and dying. If I were to cut, say, this branch off before it's bloomed, do you think it's going to produce the, the flowers? If it's just... No. No. Yes. Yes. Solid. Solid. No. So we all understand this. Right, the branch has to be connected to the vine, to the, to the stem, to the roots, because that's where the branch gets life. 
The branch gets its food and its, its nutrients and its, its energy and everything it needs in order to live and to thrive and to produce fruit, not in itself, but because it's connected to the source of life. Now what kind of, what do you think the odds are that this branch right here on this um, butterfly redweed, that's what it's called, what do you think the odds are that it's going to produce, I don't know, an apple? Not great, not super good odds, probably zero, okay? Because the, the branch produces the fruit to what it's connected to. If I go and plant a, a grape vineyard and I've got these grape vines, it's going to produce what fruit? Grapes. Grapes. Nailed it. Perfect, right? If I go on and plant apple trees and it, it, it blooms and it grows fruit, what fruit is it going to produce? Apples. Gosh, yes, we're killing it today. Awesome. So Jesus' point is that, is that we are the branch and we are abiding to something. Every one of us, we are connecting our life to something and to someone, and we are going to produce the fruit out of our life of that which we're connected to. We are going to produce the fruit out of our life of that which we are connected to. And so Jesus is saying, hey, I'm the vine and you're the branch, and if you are abiding in me, if you're connected to me, if you're receiving life from my spirit, if you're receiving energy and nutrients from me, you are going to produce the fruit that I produce. That is the principle that Jesus is telling us here. If you and I want to grow in our relationship with Christ, if we want to thrive, if we want to know what Jesus promises us, which is abundant life, and if we want to bring others into that with us, there's only one way that will happen. And that's if we're abiding in Jesus. That's if we are connected to him. So my question, what are you abiding in? What are you connecting your life to? What people are you connecting your life to that are rubbing off on you? What music are you connecting your brain to, which is rubbing off on you? What substances are you putting in your body that is rubbing off on you? What things are you watching with your eyes that is rubbing off on you? What, what truth or what lies are you filling your life with that is rubbing off on you? We are all abiding and connecting with something or someone. And Jesus promises that if we abide in him, we will bear much fruit. We will bear, we will produce life-giving results. And if we do not abide in Jesus, the result of what comes out is death. It's brokenness. It's destruction. In John 10, Jesus lays both options out. The thief comes to steal, kill, and destroy. Right? So we can connect and abide to something other than Jesus, and the result is going to be steal, kill, and destroy. Brokenness, dis disappointment in our life. That's what's going to happen. Or we can abide in Jesus, and that doesn't mean that circumstances are super easy now. It just means that through those circumstances, we're going to know more of him, and we're going to have life. Those are the options that Jesus weighs out for us. 
And he says, hey, if you wanna know life, if you want to thrive in spiritual fruit, the only way to do that, the only option, number one through everything, Jesus, that's it, is connecting our lives to him, abiding deeply in him. So what are you abiding in today? What is your life connected to? Apart from him, we can do nothing. Nothing. So how, how do we do this? Right? Like how do we how do we abide and not spiritually end up like this? Because again, I, we all want this. No doubt in my mind, it's how we're made. Nobody wants this. So how do we now abide in Jesus? The first thing is faith. The first way, the first thing that we do is actually nothing. It's just receive what's been offered to us. The foundation of Christianity and what sets Christianity apart from every other religion is that it is not about what you do. It is all about what Jesus has done. Massive difference. The foundation of Christianity, how you and I abide to the vine of Jesus is not based on what you and I bring to the table. It's not how pretty we can make ourselves or how religious we are or if we didn't mess up real bad. It's not about that. It is simply about trusting that Jesus has done everything for us. What keeps us from life, what keeps us being connected to the presence of God is sin. And so we've all sinned. Like the Bible has said that and we all know it. We all know that we have done something wrong. We have violated God's perfect standard and that is what creates a relational gap between us and God. That is what takes us away from the vine is sin. And so Jesus, he comes and he does all the work necessary to remove that sin so that we can be rejoined back to God. And so he lives this perfect life that you and I were expected to live and that from like, I don't know, day one, I didn't. Jesus does it lives a perfect, sinless life. And then he goes to the cross so that he can take all of my sins on himself. And when he rises from the dead, he stands alive today, 1 Corinthians 15, praise God, and he offers us the great exchange. He will take our sins and give us his righteousness so that we can be rejoined to the presence of God, so that we can abide in him. But that's not anything we do, that's everything that Jesus has done. And so the first way that we abide in Christ is simply faith. It's trusting that it's all Jesus. That, that is where everything begins. The second thing that we do to abide is humility. I mean, so many times, the reasons that, that I'm, I'm living like this, the reason that I'm pulling myself away from, from Jesus, and not even so many, every time that I'm pulling myself away from Jesus, is pride. I want to do my thing. I know what Jesus says. I just don't want to do it. Like, I think this is better, or man, a faith is scary, and I don't really know that result, and I know what Jesus says, but gosh, I really can't see it, so I'm going to trust in what I can see and what makes sense to me, and I'm going to call the shots myself. And, and it's, it's pride. We have to have a heart of humility, willing to surrender and say, Jesus, your way is best. Because if we're holding tightly to my way, I'm not abiding to him. 
this, this book um, that Andrew Murray wrote. Um, it's called, called Humility, um, creative title. And, and he writes in it, he says, pride may die in you or nothing of heaven can live in you. Pride may die in you or nothing of heaven can live in you. I cannot abide in Jesus if I'm wanting to do it my way. He later goes on, he says, without this, without humility, there can be no real abiding in God's presence. The experience of his grace, the power of his spirit, and abiding faith. Without humility, I cannot abide in Jesus. There also can be no divine love, joy, and strength. Humility is the only soil in which the graces root. Thus, the lack of humility is the sufficient explanation of every defect and failure. I mean, if I want to produce the fruit of Jesus, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control, if I want to produce that in my life, then I have to die to myself and humbly submit my life to Jesus. Because when I pridefully think I know best, those are not the fruit I'm going to be producing. Anger, jealousy, impurity, those are the things I'm going to start producing. So we've got to first trust that Jesus is the answer. Secondly, we've got to humble ourselves and die to him in order to abide in Christ. And then Jesus gives us some practical things that we do. So you see, if you go down to verse 7, he says, If you abide in me and my words abide in you, ask whatever you wish and it will be done for you. For by this my Father is glorified that you bear much fruit and so prove to be my disciples. Jesus says if we want to abide in him, we've got to be near his word. Like his words have to abide in us. As closely as I want to be to him, his words have to be to me. Like I've got to, I've got to read his words and I've got to read his words a lot. You, if, you're, if you're like, give me a practical thing to do, Corey, I need something tangible, read more of this. Like just take whatever amount you're reading and read more. You just, that's one of the most practical, tangible things I can tell you is to take his word and to just put more and more and more and more and more of it in you. Like it's just a space thing, right? If I'm filling my mind with his words, I literally don't have the capacity to fill my mind with the words of junk. If I'm filling my mind with his truth, I literally don't have as much space to fill my mind with the lies of this world. And so if we want to abide in Jesus, we've got to hold closely to his words. 2 Timothy 3, it says, All scripture is breathed out by God and profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, and for training in righteousness, that the man or woman of God may be complete, equipped for every good work. Is to hold tightly to this. Hebrews 4 says, The word of God is living and active sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing to the division of soul and of spirit, of joints and of marrow, and discerning the thoughts and intentions of the heart. Jesus says, if you want to abide in him, then we must abide in his words. It, it, I mean, we just I, just, I just don't spend near as much time here as it's obvious I need to. This is one of the most practical, tangible things that we can do is abide in his words. So first, it's trusting Jesus. It's, it's, it's trusting him. He's the answer. 
then it's humbly dying to myself. Every day I put on humility. Then it's abiding in his words, and then it's being obedient. So if we keep reading, it says, as the Father has loved me, so I have loved you. Abide in my love. If you keep my commandments, you will abide in my love, just as I have kept my Father's commandments and abide in his love. That's a conditional statement. If, then. We're called to abide in Jesus, to abide in his love. Those are the, those are the same thing. If you're abiding in Jesus, you're abiding in his love. If you're abiding in his love, you're, you're abiding in Jesus. And he says, if you want to abide in my loves, if you want to have that, then keep my commandments. If Jesus says, hey, let's go right, and you say, hey, I'm going to go left, are we abiding anymore? No. We're literally separating ourselves from his presence. We're walking away from him. We have to keep his commandments. We have to walk in his footsteps. If Jesus says, hey, follow me, and we're like, I'm going to go that way, then we're no longer abiding with him. We're missing out on his presence. We're missing out on the life that he offers us. And so because of what he's done, we're like, I want to follow him. I want to abide in him. I want to experience this life and give it to others. Then we have to keep his commandments. Colossians chapter 3, I've been in this chapter a, a lot lately, or chapter 2, then we'll go to 3. It says, chapter 2, therefore, as you have received Christ Jesus the Lord, so walk in him. As you've received Jesus, as you've submitted to him, walk in him, follow in his footsteps, do what he, he did, say what he said, think how he thinks, walk right behind him as close as you possibly can be, rooted and built up in him and established in the faith just as you were taught, abounding in thanksgiving. If you have trusted Christ, then our call is to walk in his footsteps, to be close to him. He goes right, I go right. He says stop, I stop. He says go, I go. That's the call to abide in Jesus. And then it goes on in chapter 3, and we're like, okay, what does it, mean? What does it look like to walk in Jesus? And this is just some of it. Verse 12, put on then. That, that is a command. That's a choice. This is what you and I, we get a choice to do this. Put on then as God's chosen ones, holy and beloved, compassionate hearts, kindness, humility, meekness, patience, bearing with one another, and if one has a complaint against another, forgiving each other as the Lord has forgiven you, so you must also forgive. And above all these, put on love, which binds everything together in perfect harmony. And let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts, to which indeed you were called in one body, and be thankful let the word of Christ dwell in you richly, abide in you richly, teaching and admonishing one another in all wisdom, singing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs with thanksgiving in your hearts to God. And whatever you do, in word or deed, do everything in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, giving thanks to God the Father through him. If we're going to abide in him, we've got to obey his words. That means we don't just read this and go, oh, that's nice. It means we're going to seek with our lives to obey them. And when we don't, because we're not, we're quick to say, hey, I'm sorry. I'm going to confess this, and I'm going to lay it down and return back to the way of Jesus. We have to do that if we're going to abide in Jesus and if we're going to produce the fruit that I believe we want to produce. Apart from Jesus, we can do Nothing of spiritual significance, of thriving in Christ, if we're not connected to him, 
we're not going to produce the fruit of Jesus. We stay connected to him in faith, in humility, through time with his word, and in obedience to what he tells us to do. And, and in that, we're going to thrive. We're going to know the abundance that he's called us to, that he's invited us into. That's our prayer for us as a church. That's why the worship gathering on a Sunday is not an option. Because it's in this setting that his word is brought, that we abide in his word, that we hear and we obey, right? Colossians 3, let the word of Christ dwell in you richly, teaching and admonishing one another, encouraging one another in all wisdom, singing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs. Like, that's not an option. And so this is essential. Being in community groups, that's not something like, hey, what should we add to the church? I know, let's do community groups. No, that's where we get to speak words of life to one another. We get to encourage one another. We get to tangibly meet needs in obedience to what the Bible tells us together. And so all of these things are meant to help us abide in Jesus. We have discipleship groups, which is groups of two to four of of same gender, because we believe that we have to confess our sins to one another so that we can then find the healing and refreshment. And sometimes we just need a small group to be able to confess stuff to. We need a couple people who are like, I'm, we're doing this, let's go. Like, we're not gonna, we're not gonna mess around. We're, we're going at this together. And, and that's what a discipleship group is for, so that we can abide in, in Jesus, so that we can thrive with him and lead more people to Jesus. Gosh, that's, he, he tells us at the end, Jesus, he tells us. In abiding in Jesus, right? What was that last verse there? Verse 11, these things I have spoken to you. These things I have spoken to you. Abide in me and I in you that you may bear much fruit. These words I have spoken to you. Why? That my joy, the joy of Jesus, the joy that is so great he can endure the cross, the joy of Jesus, that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be full. We're, we're all created with this thirst for happiness and meaning. We're all created for this fullness of joy. Every one of us wants the fullness of joy. Like, don't leave any lacking. Don't give me 99%. Give me 115% of the fullness of joy. And Jesus is like, all right, let's go. Here it is. Abide in me. Like, just toss off everything else and throw everything into abide in me that my joy will be in you and your joy will be full. Come on. Right? Like, if you're a Christian, we should be the most joyful people on the planet. Because our full record of sins, that our full debt has been nailed to the cross, and we're just, we're made free because of Jesus. And so we abide in him because, are you kidding me? While I'm still a sinner, like while I'm actively opposing you, you're coming after me in love? Our joy is full in Jesus. This is all that we want as a church because this is all that matters. That's the invitation that he gives us. The only thing stopping us is us. He's not holding back. 
He's not dangling something in front of you and be like, no, 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 you don't, you don't actually get this. He's not holding back from us. The fullness of life is offered to us by faith in Jesus. It's our pride that gets in the way. Gosh, that we would die to ourselves and in so doing find abundant life that's offered. That's our hope as a church. But first, we've got to abide in him. We have to. Let's abide. Let's abide together. Let's abide as, as one group. Let's abide as small groups throughout the town. Let's abide together because that is where life is found for us and for those around us. All right, let's pray. God, we, 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 we know, we know what you tell us. And sometimes it's like, it just seems so difficult. God, would you kill in us selfishness? Would you kill in us um, pride and, and any thought that we know best? And would you put in us a, a hunger for you, Jesus? You tell us in the Psalms to taste and see that you are good. You invite us to come to the, to the well and to drink of the living water. It, it's, it's offered. May today be the day where we all just take a step closer to you, Jesus. And, and laying down anything, as, as Hebrews says, any weight or sin which clings so closely and holds us back that we would lay that down in confession and repentance and find the freedom to run the race that you have set before us, the race of abundant life, of abiding in you, that all people in all places may know and worship your name, Jesus, you are worthy of it all. invite you, would you just stay as you are? Would you, would you just have a conversation with God in your own, own heart and mind? Listen for what he may be telling you from his word about abiding. And just, just take a second and have a conversation. God, you tell us that you make known to us the path of life. I believe that today we all know right now what the path of life is. Would you give us the courage to surrender and walk down it? You tell us that in your presence is the fullness of joy. And one day, God, that's gonna be complete. No more suffering or struggle. But until that day, you you send your spirit to live with us, that we can be near you right now. We can, we can hear you and experience you and encounter your presence. You're, you're not just some idea, you're real and you're present. You're here in this room among us. 
God, may we not settle. What an insult to all that you have done to settle for less than what you've offered us and purchased us. Thanks for tuning in to the Austin Life Church Podcast. To help support us, please take a second to rate and review us on iTunes and visit us at austinlifechurch.com.